I want you to get your Bible this morning. We're going to get back into the Word of God together. We have been in a series here at Legacy Church over the last several weeks called Renovation and Transformation. And the Lord has been so faithful to use what's going on around us in the renovation of this building to paint a very clear picture of what is supposed to be going on inside us, in our hearts and in our minds. This same kind of change and not just little tweaks, not just little differences here and there. We're talking about major life transformation, the same way that this building has been undergoing a transformation from the time that we've got it. And it's been a long process, but the end result is total transformation. In other words, there could be somebody come into this place that saw it before and it's completely unrecognizable. They think, is this the same place? Well, that's the same thing that should be happening in happening in our lives. And that's the effects of the word of God on our lives to change us and to transform us so that somebody from your life long ago could see you and say, are you the same person? Man, what got into you? And that's the power of the word of God. Our key scripture here, our foundation has been from the book of Romans chapter 12. And I want us to look at it again together in verse two. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How does this transformation happen? It happens by the renewing of the mind. I believe one translation says, I think it's the New Living Translation that says, let God change you by changing the way you think. That's how this transformation occurs, by the renewing of the mind. Now, this word renewing, we've talked about it before, but it literally means renovation. Renovation, the renovation of the mind. And again, the same thing that's going on in this church building, in this sanctuary, in this entire building from one end to another, there is a renovation taking place. And there are walls coming down. There are old floors being ripped up. It's part of the demolition that has to take place in the renovation. And in that same way, that same thing has to happen in the way we think. We've got to identify old ways of thinking, wrong ways of thinking that don't belong in the mind of a believer, that don't belong in the mind of somebody who's committed to living by faith and walking by faith. You got to get rid of those old ways of thinking and replace them with the truth. And that's what this entire renovation and transformation series has been about. So if you've missed any of it leading up to this, go back to the Legacy Church podcast. They're all there. It's all free. And even if you've heard them before, hear them again, because I guarantee you, you didn't hear everything that the Lord was saying. It takes hearing it and hearing it and hearing it and getting it down on the inside and then becoming a doer of the word that we've heard. And that's how we build foundation beneath our feet. Last week, when we came to you from the hospitality room in the church, we kept reading past verse two. And I want to do that again today. Look at verse three, bearing in mind what he's already said to us in verse two, change the way you think, renovate, renew, remodel the way you think. And in verse three, he helps us identify the first place we need to start with this renovation process. He says, I say through the grace given to me, now, remember, that's him identifying and helping us identify that whatever's coming out of his mouth is not something that started in his head, but it originated in the heart of God. That's why he said, I'm saying this through the grace that was given to me. God gave him grace to say what he's about to say. It's coming out of the heart of God. And I believe what you're hearing today from me, from Sarah, 
from the word that it's not something that's coming out of our heads. It's coming out of his heart. Amen. Verse three, he said, I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you. Why? Because everyone needs to hear it. What is it everyone needs to hear? Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So he starts in verse two by telling us, you got to change the way you think. And then verse three is start here. Here's the thought patterns that you have to start with. And he's saying, I'm saying this by the grace of God to everyone. Why? Because everyone needs to hear it. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think soberly. So here he is talking, he's beginning the the remodel, the renovation process. We're gonna have to rip out some old ways of thinking so that we can put new ones in. And he's identifying this old way of thinking, of thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. In a word, he's talking about pride. And he says, replace that with this other thought, think soberly. Now that doesn't just mean seriously, but you think about what's the opposite of sober, drunk. (laughs) You gotta be drunk to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You gotta be drunk to think of yourself as something apart from God, apart from his grace. Think soberly. Think, think, uh, what's a good word for that? Maybe it is seriously. Think, come on, get real is what he's saying here. He's saying God has given to everybody the measure of faith and that is the great equalizer. Sarah, that's the thing that put us on the same plane with God. Nobody has a higher place with him than anybody else because he gave to each one of us a measure of faith. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody's done the same thing with what he's given, but everybody starts in the same place. Mm -hmm. And then he said in verse four, let's keep going. He said, we have many members in one body. And I'm again declaring that over Legacy Church. Many members in one body because God's will for this church and for you in this church is increase. He's the God of increase. Amen. He said, we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Now, the next several verses, he's he's going through the gifts that he's put in place in the body, but I want to skip down to verse nine. Look at what he says here. This is such a big statement. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. No hypocrisy in your love. Well, if you can have a hypocritical love, you can also have an unhypocritical love. Well, what's a hypocritical love? That's one thing coming out of your mouth and something else going on in your heart. That's saying one thing and doing something else. And we know from many places in scripture that God He can't have this in his presence. And as a matter of fact, hypocrisy is one of the only things that stands as a wall between you and him. But hey, we're in a renovation process here. Rip that wall out, rip it down, tear it out and replace it with a love that's without hypocrisy. He said, let your love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Notice what he said in verse 10, be kindly affectionate, to one another with brotherly love. Now, every word of this is important. Be kindly affectionate here. He's talking about kindness. And that's what we began talking about last week. And Sarah and I, more than anything, we want this place to be a place that is known for its kindness because that is such 
an integral part of the character and the nature of God. It's who he is. He said, be kindly affectionate to one another in brotherly love. When you look up the words kindly affectionate, it literally means fond of family. It has to do with, Sarah, the love that we have for each other because we're family. The love that we have for our kids because they're our family. The love that we have for your mom and dad, my mom and dad, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. It's a special love because it's a family kind of love. And I love that that's the kind of love, he said, it should, should be going on in the church mm-hmm. because it's family. Mm-hmm. We are a family. And if you know anything about us, we're all about raising a family here in the house of faith. He said, be kindly affectionate to one another uh, with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. Here, this is important for today, serving the Lord. Don't let your love be with hypocrisy. Actually put some action to it. Serve the Lord. He said in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints. And then notice this last phrase again given to hospitality, given to hospitality. Other translations say, pursue hospitality. Uh, Look for opportunities to show it. So this is not just a passively uh, sitting by waiting for something to come your way. He's telling us to go after it. He's telling us to pursue hospitality, look for, actively looking for opportunities to show hospitality to people. I like the Passion Translation that says, eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Mm -hmm. Now that has so many different meanings, but especially uh, as we prepare to open the doors of this church, this home, we're ready to open it to guests, eagerly opening the doors of your home to guests. And you've got to be excited about that. I know a lot of people aren't always excited about guests coming into their home, but that's going to change. I said, that's going to change. There's a, there's a renovation in the mind that's going to change when it comes to, to being hospitable and welcoming people into our lives. We talked last week about what hospitality requires. Hospitality, which is love in action. This is not a hypocritical love. This isn't just, hey, love you, bless you, bye. This is, I love you, and here comes some kindness to prove it. And that hospitality requires openness. It requires an open heart. Are you willing to let the Lord be kind to somebody through you? It requires an open hand. Are you a generous person willing to give what's in your hand? Or do you hold on with a death grip, a white knuckle death grip to every last dime and dollar that you've got? No, when we live with an open hand, we're saying, Lord, everything I've got is available to you. Amen. You want it in somebody else's life? You just say the word and be excited about being a giver. That's hospitality, looking for opportunities. So it requires an open heart, an open hand, and an open home. And that's what we see there in that Passion Translation. Eagerly, what did you say? Eagerly welcoming people as guests into our home. And you and I both know that as a church, we should be that way, right? We should want people in our home. But you've heard me say it and you'll hear me say it again. Whatever's going on in this house is supposed to be going on in your house. Mm -hmm. And this is where Sarah and I get very excited. This has been a main theme of our lives, our family, and our ministry for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. The Lord dealt with this 
dealt with us some years ago on this and began talking to us so much about kindness. And it seems like such a, a simple thing, but when you look in the world around us, you can see how much it's missing. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the house of God should be full of the kindness of God because kindness is the part of love that you can actually see. It's not just expressed in words, it's expressed in actions. And we are gonna build our church on this. Amen. And the, one of the reasons that Sarah and I are here talking to you about it together today is because we're working hard to get this natural place ready, this building, this physical structure. It's gotta get ready to welcome people. But that's, there's some work that's gotta go on in our hearts and our minds too as a church before we can open these doors, we need to be ready, Amen. right? Our hearts need to be in the right shape. Our hearts need to be in the right condition. Mm -hmm. And this is such a big part of it. Mm -hmm. We've gotta be ready to be given to hospitality. Amen. And then of course, we looked last week at uh, the story of David. We won't take time to turn there today. We'll look at it in the weeks to come, but I wanna to get to some of the things you've got on your heart today. But what David said in 2 Samuel chapter nine, and this is where the Lord built this in us all those years ago but he was there sitting on his throne. There's peace in the kingdom. He's conquered. And he looks up and he says, is there not somebody left of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to? Mm -hmm. And it's such an, an amazing, miraculous story. And we will take time in the weeks to come to look at it. But it's so powerful, just those words right there, is there someone that I can show the kindness of God to? And you see in the course of that story, they find a, a relative, a, a son of Jonathan, who when he was a young, young child had fled the kingdom and was basically living in hiding, afraid of David. Mm -hmm. And he was out in this, this other city far away. And one of the servants, the old servants of Saul, came to David and said, there is one left in the house of Saul. And David said, go get him. Go get him and bring him here. Why? Because I want to show him kindness. And three times in that very short chapter in 2 Samuel 9, you hear it coming out of the mouth of David. Give me somebody to show the kindness of God to. Is there somebody I can show the kindness of God to? And then when Mephibosheth actually came before David, afraid what David might kill him. Why? Because he's, He's bloodlined to the throne that maybe this kid would want to take over the throne. David said, don't be afraid. All I want to do is show you the kindness of God and what kindness did for him. It elevated him. In a day, this young boy who was crippled from the time he was very young, lame in both his feet and living in fear away from the kingdom. In one day, the kindness of God went out, reached out to where he was, brought him home lifted him up and gave him a place at the table, put value on his life again. And that's what kindness does. And that's what kindness is going to do for the lives of people in this church as guests and, and church members, a part of our family. The kindness of God that we show to each other and that we allow to work through us, it puts value on people's lives. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross and he shed his blood, he put value when he purchased you, he put a value on your life. And that was the kindness of God, valuing you, elevating you up. And David said to Mephibosheth, you are gonna eat at my table 
for the rest of your life. An invitation to the king's table. Mm -hmm. That's what kindness does. So we'll talk more about that, I believe, in the weeks to come. But I know the Lord's talked to you about some specific things regarding this and how we put this into practice. And this is the part that has to has to go to work in us, church, before we can come into this place and before we're ready to start welcoming people into this house. There are some things that we need to see and some changes that we need to make as a church family and begin to put some things into practice so that our love is not hypocritical. Amen. How do we put this to work? Amen. <sighs> <laughs> Well, go. where do I go from there? Go. Um, no, I, I think that as a church, we are building a foundation of what it means to really serve people. And I don't mean just um, serve people like we have um, just come to know in church culture, what we've always seen, but we are now having to dig into the word for ourselves to see what legacy church is supposed to be according to the words of Jesus. And you know, we've been reading the parables of Jesus <clears throat> over and over and over again these last few weeks, talking about what real service is. And, um, and just being so mindful of what he says, real service is unto the Lord. And, you know, we are calling our volunteer teams service teams mm -hmm. in this church. And that is because of what we see in these stories that Jesus tells. And um, I don't, I don't, do you want to look at those today? Because I, I was really, I was thinking about it, but then I, I thought about this story in Second Kings with the Shunammite woman. And I just sure. thought we could get right into it. Yeah. But, um, but I just, I think in my heart, I just had this, um, this overwhelming desire that we would be a people that so that knew what it meant to really serve the Lord and be available for him, for the work, for his work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, actually let's just read this. This is in Matthew 22, five. And, um, and in this scripture, it, Jesus is telling the story about the wedding feast and he speaks to them in parables and he says the kingdom of heaven, you know, he's always talking about what the kingdom looks like. Yeah. And he wants us to get our mind on the kingdom and kingdom things and seeking first the kingdom with our lives. Why? Because this is what makes life great is, is seeking first his kingdom, not seeking first our things. Our, our desires, our needs, all of this, because if we'll seek first his kingdom, he can fulfill all those things and he can add everything to us that we have need of. But this says the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Isn't it interesting that there will be invitations in life. There will be people call you. And if you don't, if you're not watchful or your life is too cluttered, you won't recognize when God is calling you yeah. or inviting you to come and be a part of his kingdom things. And so he invites them to come. And again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. He's saying, I'm preparing a meal for you. This is actually Jesus. If you think about it in terms of God calling you, he is preparing a meal or he's being extremely 
hospitable. Sure. Okay. He yeah. is he is demonstrating to us hos- hospitality. I prepared a dinner for you, my oxen and my fatted cattle that I've killed and the things they are ready for you. Come to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And he's inviting them, come be a part of my kingdom. Come be a part, get your, put, bring your life, bring yourself and sit at my table. But they, this is the verse that stood out to me today as I was reading, but they, verse five, made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. Now, let me ask you this. When it says they made light of it, what's it specifically referring to? They made light of the invitation. The invitation, the opportunity. There was an opportunity there for them to come. They made light of it. What does it mean to make light of it? It means to um, despise or to not to not consider weighty or valuable. Yeah. And if you keep reading, it was not an honor to them. It was not an honor, and just an invitation itself, responding to the invitation. When someone talks to you, the response that you give is everything in life. How you respond to God makes such a difference. But I think it's interesting that they made light of it. How? Well, they put their business first. Mm -hmm. Their business endeavors were first or their own farm or their work. They put their own work ahead of kingdom business or the things that they were being invited to be a part of in the kingdom. And you know, God will call on us day in and day out to be a part of his kingdom things. And what we don't realize is when we get too busy for his things, we actually will miss out on the joy that, that, is, that we could find in this life. Real joy comes in seeking first the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's the most satisfying life. It's so satisfying. On the other hand, the most dissatisfying and empty life is serving yourself the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just living to serve your own desires, your own needs, your own business. And this is why people can't figure out why they're so dissatisfied because they think this is what I'm supposed to be pursuing. Mm-hmm right? My dreams, my desire, my want, when all the while Jesus is standing there inviting them into a kingdom opportunity and they don't recognize that that's where fulfillment is. That's where satisfaction is. Amen. And you know, we have to be watchful that we don't wake up day after day after day and get in a habit and routine of doing the same thing or making our own plans or paying more attention to our own business than we do our father's business. And that can be a dangerous thing. You wake up in the morning, you just get in the habit. I start, I brush my teeth. I make breakfast. You should do that. Please brush your teeth. Yeah. Um, And I do every day. (laughs) But, um, but don't get in a habit of just living life and forgetting to wake up. You know, this, our staff, when we came here to build God's church, we started to say in the morning, Father, help us build your church today for your kingdom and for your glory. And if you pray that prayer in the morning or you ask him, Lord, first thing in the morning, what can I do to build your kingdom? What can I do to be a part of your kingdom, to serve your people, to serve you today? Then life begins to have weight and you begin to see the glory of God and you begin to see his provision 
So many people don't even know that their prosperity is tied to this very thing. When you start to be about your father's business, instead of just focusing on your business and making money and doing all these, these things are so temporal. I'm telling you, kingdom things are the only things that are eternal, that last forever. Sometimes I like to sit down with the Lord and I like to go back and remember the good moments in my life and just thank him for things he's done. But you know, so many of those memories, actually the majority of memories that I have, they are kingdom. They have kingdom significance. Mm. And those are the things you remember in life. You don't remember the, just the everyday ins and outs of life. You remember moments that have kingdom eternal value. These are things that last you into eternity. These are things that have a kingdom reward. And you don't want to wake up every day missing out on kingdom opportunities. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so as we look at these scriptures, Jesus is saying to us, um, I am inviting you. I'm inviting you to my kingdom, to my dinner. You know, one time the Lord said to me in light of, I always think in terms of food because I'm a mom and I'm in the kitchen all the time and I'm always interested in serving a good meal to my family. Well, that's what even the word of God can be considered spiritual nutrition or serving. We're serving a good meal to you today. And the Lord said, talks to me in these terms with grace and faith. He says, grace sets the table but faith eats. Grace will set the table out in front of you, but faith has to come to that table and has to sit down and has to eat everything on the plate. Don't expect that just he's going to call you. And if you don't come and you don't eat and you don't make yourself available, then you are not responding to that invitation. You don't see the benefits that all, all the benefits that faith has to offer, you can't just expect that the grace of God will do it for you. You've got to come in faith and eat all that's on that plate. Amen. Faith eats all that grace. <laughs> it yeah. comes and it sits down and it eats. And that just like natural food is strength to the body. That's what the grace of God has provided. It's strength to you, spirit, soul, and body. But if you don't ever sit down, just like if you don't ever sit down to the table and actually put that good looking food in your mouth and get it into your body, it will not do anything for you. No, how, no matter how hard you work to prepare it, no matter how good it looks, no matter how perfectly it was prepared, if it doesn't make it in you, then it doesn't ever do you any good. Amen. So that's what has to happen. That's, I, I love what Sarah says about that. Faith lays a hold of it and faith eats. Amen. And what happens here is if you look in verse eight, um, Jesus says to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. And if you look back and you look at verse three, it says that he invited them, but they were not willing to come. Wow. And so to me, what this is saying is the only way that you become unworthy is by being unwilling. Wow, that is powerful. Every, in, in life, you have been made worthy. Jesus has made you worth it. He has made you worthy. He's made you worth it. But the only way that you are unworthy is by being unwilling. And that's unworthy in the sense that he's talking about here, being used, being, um, filling this place and this opportunity. 
And, and just like you said, he made you worthy. He put the value on your life. But when it comes to being used by him, then it requires this willingness. And the Bible also tells us that if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That's all the good things that God has to offer you. <laughs> there we are talking about eating again. Right. But being willing and obedient, that's a heart that wants to do it. That's a heart that's available to do it. And talking about these service teams, man, what if you were available when God called you? What if you were, um, you had decluttered your life enough to where you didn't despise the things that were weighty Amen. to God? And in really this whole passage is, is, is really, he, what he's saying is, do you see things the way that I see them? Do you value this invitation? Do you consider it weighty a weighty opportunity? Do you consider God's things weighty and valuable and important? And I think about in 1 Samuel chapter 2, where it talks about God actually says, those who, how does he say it? He those says, for those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. There he uses that word lightly again. These people in this parable, they made light of this invitation. They didn't value or consider weighty or an honor the things that God had called on them to do. And therefore the result is that you shall be lightly esteemed. When you value the things of God, He will value your things. When you honor the things of God, you will be honored. And these, this is a powerful thing. We think naturally that we have to work really hard or toil to provide for ourselves. But what God is saying is if you put my things, make my things valuable, make my things weighty, if you'll, if you'll come when I invite you, if you will respond when I call on you, yeah. I will honor you and I will, uh, I will think about your things. I'll consider your things. You know, I think about King David when he so had a heart to build the house of God. And you know, this is in, let me just read this to you real quick. I don't have to go through this whole passage, but I'm thinking about this in, um, let's see here. You can write this down and read it later, but in 2 Samuel verse 7, um, is this it? Um, yes. You know, this is right before the whole passage where Jeremy's been teaching out of with David and Mephibosheth. And he can't, he wants to show God's kindness to Mephibosheth. Well, why is that? Well, because God had been so kind to yeah. David. And, you know, even just a couple chapters before that with David showing Mephibosheth kindness. Well, that, that one is a, that's a, a name mouthful. right there, yeah. a mouthful. But just a couple chapters before that, you see this whole conversation between David and God and what happened when God showed David his kindness. That's it. And this is so powerful. Why David wanted to be kind to other people. It's because he had a collision with God's kindness and it caused him to want to go show kindness to other people. But I love how God showed David kindness. This is so special and sweet. But basically, David got it in his heart to build a house for God. And he wanted to build God's house. What is that? That's building the kingdom. That's him having God's house in his heart above his own. Mm -hmm. And what he wanted, he had this desire to build a house for God. And he, he just, 
he couldn't even take it. He wanted to help. He wanted to see God's presence have a place to dwell. And this whole passage is about David saying, I want to build you a house, God. Let me build you a house. I want to do something for you. And God turns around. And because of David's heart for him, God turns around and he tells him in verse 11, this is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11. He says, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and God says, because you want to build my house, I'm going to build you a house. And didn't God build him a house? I mean, he built him a kingdom in this earth. He built him a physical, beautiful house to live in because his heart was first to build God a house. And then I think this is so powerful. God says, David, I'm going to build you a house. And yeah, he built him a natural house and a natural kingdom in this earth. But even more than that, he built him a house. He built him a lineage that even Jesus uh, our Savior came out of the house of David. How powerful is that? That God built a house through David because his heart was to build his house. Amen. That's to, his heart was to build his kingdom. And so God says, I'm going to build you a house. And you know, right after that, David gets overwhelmed. I don't even think David probably knew how powerful it was what God was saying to him. Basically, I'm going to build a house and a family yeah. that Jesus is going to come out of this. This family is going to, out of your lineage, is going to come the Savior. Out of your house, out of your family, is going to come your Savior. How powerful is that? And then David, what he does is he just goes into praise unto God. And he says how awesome God is. This whole chapter is talking about how amazing it is that God said, yeah, because you wanted to build my house, I'm going to build you a house. And then he goes into this whole beautiful thing. David can't even help it. He just wants to be kind to somebody. Yeah. Give me somebody that I can show your kindness to and your love to. And that's the unique capacity that the child of God and on top of that, the born again believer, which makes us a child of God, that we have to show the kindness of God. And this is where it extends beyond niceness. This is where it extends beyond doing good deeds because you could take somebody who's not a believer, not born again, maybe not even believe that there is a God, much less make Jesus their savior. And they can do a nice thing for somebody. But what you and I have the ability to do is to do that same nice thing, but to put the love of God behind it. Yeah. And we, this is amazing if you stop and think about this, we have the unique ability to make another person feel the love of God. Mm -hmm. Now, nobody else can do that. Yeah. If you are not born again and full of his spirit, then you don't have the ability to do anything with or by the love of God. You can do some nice things and that's good and people should and they do. But we have the ability, once we have encountered the kindness of God, to show the kindness of God. Amen. And that's exactly what happened to David here. And that's exactly what has to happen to us here. We can't just say, hey, we're going to be kind people. We have to, we have to get a revelation of how kind God has been to us, Amen. that he has shown his kindness to us in and through Jesus. And I think it's amazing that that kindness, if you sow kindness, you will reap in favor. Mm -hmm. That's and right. How powerful is it yeah. for us 
to know the reward that comes with our hospitality, to know the reward that comes with our service unto the Lord. This is not just us, Jeremy and I, calling for a bunch of volunteers for Legacy Church. Right. We are not trying to just get help here. We are trying to show you what will happen in your life if you will give yourself over first to serving the kingdom of God. This comes with great reward in this life, yeah. but also in the life to come. This is eternal uh, value here, eternal significance, eternal reward. And so I keep having this scripture. Is it okay if we look at the scripture yeah. in the Old Testament? I keep having this passage come to me today as I was praying and it is in 2 Kings chapter 8, and it is the story about when Elisha goes to stay at the Shunammite's um, house. And this woman, um, it tells us this, it's the 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8. It happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman that she, and she persuaded him to eat some food. Here what we are. <laughs> Hospitality. Hospitality. And she persuades him. Basically, I have some food for you. I want to bless you. I want to cook for you. But it's, I wanna... it's not just hospitality. It's the persuading him. This is looking. This is being given to it. This is pursuing it, like Roman said. Go after it. Yeah. yeah. And we have the unique ability to hear from the Holy Spirit. Uh, windows of opportunity when we can be kind to someone, where we can be hospitable, where we can love someone, where we can give to them and show them hospitality. That's what she's doing here in verse nine. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God. Okay, here's what is amazing to me. She sees the weightiness of a moment. She sees value in him not just a man of God, but a holy man of God. She sees the anointing on him. She sees the anointed moment before her, this moment, the weightiness of it. So many times we could miss out on opportunities to bless the, uh, the people that God sends to us if we're not watching for it, if we're not looking for it, if we're not pursuing it. But here she pursues it. She said to her husband, look, this is a man of God, a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, verse 10, let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed, him, a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. She's like, She's hey, listen, I want to decorate for these people. I want to decorate for this holy man of God. I want, to, I want to do this for him so it will be whenever he comes to us that he can turn in there. Basically, he can come and stay with us. Hospitality. You know, some of you guys, God is going to deal with you to build God's house here, this church, for, for the anointing for the anointed people to come in and to be a part. He's going to deal with you for his, uh, to value his holy things, to see them as weighty. Mm -hmm. And what she does here is she says, this is holy, this is weighty. And what am I going to do as a result of it? I want to build a room on my house. Yeah. Now, what, the only way she could have gotten that 
was by having a heart for God open and for heart. his things, an open heart, an open hand, an open costs, hand, right? costs money and an open home and an open home. And so she says, let me build him a room. And this is so beautiful because he, the husband agrees and she, you know, it's amazing to me. She hears from God on this and the husband, he, he sees that it's God after she comes to him and together they build a room. They make place and they make room mm. for God's things. Yeah. And I just want to encourage you today. Have, can you declutter your life enough to make room for the things that God says are weighty? for the things he calls valuable, the things he calls holy. Here's the beautiful thing. They build this, this place for him. He comes and he starts staying at their house. Now, what is that? They've just opened up their home to the anointing, to the anointed man of God and to his anointing. Amen. And that's what happens when you put God's things first. You open your whole house and your family up to the anointing, to the presence of God and to the blessing. Here's what's about to happen. Because of her kindness towards him, she is about to reap the favor of God and the blessing of the Lord. And what she does, I'm just going to, I'm just going to shorten this because it's a whole long passage, but basically he comes to stay with her and he is so overwhelmed by her kindness and so blessed that he says to his servant, call her into me. And she stands before him and she, he says to her, look, verse 13, you have been concerned for me. So basically you've been concerned about the holy things. You've been concerned with my things. So now I'm going to say to you, what can I do for you? What can be done for you? And I think this is so special here that because she was concerned with his things that God says to her through this prophet, through this man of God, what can I do for you? And I believe that's what God will do for us and does for us when we put his things first, when we consider his things holy and valuable and weighty. He then says to us, can I build you a house or what can I do for you? And she, does, she responds and she says, she basically doesn't say anything. She doesn't really respond with something that she wants. And and he has to, the man of God has to get it from God, what she has in her heart. What is the deepest desire of her heart? And the servant actually tells him, you know, she really deep down on the inside, she wants a son. She desires a baby and her husband is getting old, but still in her heart, she wants a child. And so if you keep reading throughout the story, the um, Elisha says to her, you are going to have a child. And she's like, don't mess with me, man. <laughs> don't fool around with my heart here because that really is the desire of my heart that I want a child. I want a baby. This is, this is the deepest longing in my heart. I don't, I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you for anything else. Uh, this really is the desire of my heart. And he says to her, you're going to have a baby. And so time goes by and she gets pregnant and has this baby and God gives her the desires of her heart. And you think about Psalm chapter 37 that says, seek first, I'm sorry, not seek first. It says, delight yourself in the Lord 
and he will give you the desires or the secret petitions of your heart. Delight yourself in him. That means value his things. That means make his things weighty. Consider them the most important part of your life. Seek first his things. Don't take them lightly. Don't take them lightly. Don't despise them. When he calls on you, come. When he invites you to something, come be a part of his kingdom. Put his kingdom first. See it as an opportunity. See it Just as like, an opportunity. Just like she did. She saw this moment. She's like, this is an opportunity. Let me build it. Let, Let me, me build it. it. Let me build it. Let yeah. me be a part of your kingdom. And so she does this. And it, this is so amazing that over time, as she, they, this child grows up and one day he comes in and he gets sick and he has an injury. I'm not exactly sure what happens, but basically he falls over her lap and he dies. And man, if you read this, it's such a beautiful picture of faith because she, even when she goes out, she's seen her son die. She responds, people ask her, is everything okay? And she says, all is well. And she gathers up her stuff and she goes to find the man of God and she finds him and his servant. And she basically, the servant even calls out to her and says, is everything okay? Oh, here's the cool thing. I think the, the prophet sees her coming, the man of God, Elisha, he sees her coming from afar off and he says, hey, that's the Shunammite woman. What is that? He, she has favor with him. He sees her coming from a long way off. He's not bothered by her. He's not annoyed that she's coming because she needs something from him. No, she has favor with him. Why did she have favor? Because she was kind to him. She sowed kindness and she's reaping in favor. And I think it's so beautiful that he sees her coming from afar off and he's like, hey, there's the Shunammite woman. What does she need? Is she okay? And the servant goes to check on her. And she says to the servant, all is well. And by faith, she's saying all is well, even though her son's laying at home dead. And she gets to him, to the man of God. And she says, man of God, Elijah, can you help me? I thought you promised me that I would have a son, but he's now grown up and he's dying. He's dead. And Elijah says, I will come. And he tells the servant, go and put my staff on him, on his bed. Basically, he's just sending the anointing back into that house. Why? She valued the anointing. She considered it weighty. And then God considered her things weighty. God sent that anointing to her house. And he, go, he, he goes to her house and then Elijah comes back. He lays himself. That's just a picture of the presence of God coming on this boy and her family. It just, he just, it's like that open door for the, for the power of God to come into your home and your house when you value God's house. When you make it weighty, his things valuable and weighty, he comes and Elijah lays on this boy. He lays on him and the power of God comes into her child and he lives again. Now, I'm not saying that I know everything about this passage of scripture, but I can connect the dots here <laughs> that her value for the things of God and seeking first the kingdom and making his things weighty, uh, seizing the opportunity um, and valuing the things of God and the holy man of God 
What it produced in her life, I believe this is, a, is harvest on those seeds that she sowed. And because she honored God with her life, with her home, with her hospitality, with her family, then God honored her. He gave her a son. He gave her. And then when her son grew up, he, that, her house was just open to his power and to his anointing. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives as we, are, we count his things valuable and we are hospitable towards his people. And we come when he invites us, we're available for the kingdom. We're available to serve when he calls us. Man, God's gonna make himself available to us. Amen. And he's gonna make sure that we experience the fullness and he's true to his word. Whoever seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto them. Amen. You know, that's not even where their story ends. They have to leave their home. The sun's raised from the dead. And sometime later, they have to leave their home, I think because of famine in the land. And they walk away from everything. And time goes by. And later on in this book, uh, Elisha is standing before the king and he's actually telling the story, her story of her family. And just at the right time, you could say just happened to be at the time, but it was God appointed and God anointed. She comes passing by and Elisha says, this is her. This is the one I was telling you about. And standing there, the king restores to her, to her husband, to her son, to their family, all their land. <laughs> and all of this goes back to making room. Yeah. Making room. As you're talking this morning, Sarah, I, that's what I'm hearing the Spirit of God say over yeah. and over. Make, make room. room. Make room room. That's what she did. She, she literally made a room. But what a picture that is of you and I making room in our lives. And what Sarah said is exactly right. We have got to declutter and simplify our lives enough so that there is room for the things of God. So when the invitation is extended, hey, come serve. This is an opportunity. This church is an opportunity for you to seek first the kingdom of God. And I know most people who come to church, they aren't in quote unquote full-time ministry. So what they need is opportunity like this to seek first the kingdom. And Sarah's exactly right. We're not saying this or doing this because of the help we need. This is, and this is in all honesty, for you, yeah. for your sake, because we want God to have an open door into your home yeah. so that grace can flow, yeah. so that anointing can flow, so that supernatural help when you need it can flow. How do you do that? Make room. Make room. Make yeah. room. Make room for Him. Make room for His things. Make room for His people. And you go back to what we read in Romans chapter 12, and He outlines there this is how you love real love. Not hypocritical love, real love, love in action. And he talks about distributing to the needs of the saints. He talks about not lacking or lagging in diligence, but, but being fervent in spirit. What does that mean? Passionate about it, yeah. being stirred up about it, not dragging in here, you know, half an hour late on a Sunday morning. No, being passionate about it. This is my opportunity. This is my window that I get to serve the Lord. And it opens up a window for him to go to work in your life. And before we wrap this up today, let me read this to you from the book of Proverbs chapter three. This is from the New Living Translation. And it says in verse three, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. 
Never let kindness leave you, he said. Tie it around your neck. Why? Because everywhere your neck goes, you go. (laughs) And it never leaves you. You're never separated from it. Tie kindness around your neck. Write it deep within your heart. And this is what will happen. Verse four. Then you will find favor with both God and people. Mm -hmm. And you'll earn a good reputation. Mm -hmm. See, people who don't see this, what we're talking about today, this opportunity to come serve the Lord, this opportunity to serve him by, by serving and loving other people. People who don't take advantage of that is for one reason. They have no idea the reward that waits on the other side of it. See, if you don't have a revelation of what comes as a result of it, there'll be no motivation to go after it. But when you look at the scripture, like Sarah has shown us tonight, or this morning, like we're seeing right now from the scriptures, there's favor with God on the other side of this. And, and we know from the New Testament that this was such a part of the life and the ministry of Jesus. We know that even as a young child, that as he grew in the grace of God that was on his life, that was preparing him for his ministry and his assignment, we know this one thing about Jesus as a child, Jesus as a teenager, Jesus in his 20s, that he grew in wisdom, and in stature, and in favor with both God and men. And we know that from what we just read in Proverbs 3, that comes from one thing, kindness. When kindness is written deep within your heart, and it's in your eyes, and it's coming out of your mouth, and it's in your actions, and it's not hypocritical, it's not all talk, but it's the real deal, the end result is favor with God and favor with people. And what this church is more than just a place for you to come and hear the word. And it is certainly that it's more than just a place for your kids to come and grow. And it is certainly that it's an opportunity to serve the Lord by serving his people. And there are places right now, am I right? Places where people could plug in right away. I'm thinking about just different various places throughout the church. Hey, we've got some places available in our praise and worship. We've got some places available for musicians and singers. We've got place available for artists. We've got place available for graphic designers. We've got place available for people to serve in the children's ministry, to serve in the parking lot, to serve as a part of our usher team and our greeting team and our hospitality team. There are places all over this church for people to plug in and to serve the Lord with fervent of spirit. But you know what we're looking for more than somebody to say, Hey, I play drums or I play guitar or I'm good at this or that. We're looking for somebody to come and say, where do you need me? Mm -hmm. Where do you need me? And at where I believe we're actually going to put that on our volunteer forms. There'll be opportunity for you to say, Hey, I, I believe I'm called to these kinds of things or this kind of gift or whatever. But there's also going to be a check, a box that you can check that says, wherever you need me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we're looking for. And even if you do believe, Hey, I could do this or I could do that. That's great. There will be people that get put in those various places, but don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. And definitely don't be offended. If you get a call back and says that, and, and somebody says, this is where we need you over here. We need you serving in this place, in that place. And you have a choice in how you hear that. You have a choice in how you receive that. And if you think that it's just some person who off the top of their head came up with a place that they want you to fill, then you, you, it, it'll be something light to you. And there'll be a roll of the eyes and you'll think, well, I'm not doing that. But if you receive it as an invitation from the father, Mm -hmm. as an opportunity that he is creating. And if all it is, 
if all it is is God saying, do this so that I can do this for you and for your family, then jump and run at it. Yeah. Amen? Amen. 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 So I think what I want to do... Can I uh, just say one thing? I'm thinking about us growing up as children um, and then the, the first opportunities that we had to serve in ministry. We talked about this so many times, but it started with, with someone calling us to work in children's ministry and we came and we showed up and we, yeah. we, both of we, us, we, both of us yeah. started in children's ministry and we started serving God when we were very young. I'm probably junior high. Yeah. And we started middle school, junior high. We started serving God and we started showing up and we were faithful to show up yeah. week after week after week. And some people say, well, how are you to the place where you're at? They wonder why, why are you prospering the way you're prospering or why are you seeing the results that you're seeing? Well, so much of it goes back to when you're young and you begin, you start to be faithful with God's things. And then he makes you, he gives you more and he gives you more and he adds to you. And I'm not just talking about financially. I am. That is a part of it. Like we saw with the Shunammite woman, but also so much of it is just showing up when they call. And we didn't just think that someone from the children's department was calling on us because they needed somebody to lead praise and worship, or they needed someone to work with kids. No, we, we thought God's calling us. God's calling on us to help. He is the one that's making an invitation to us and giving us this invitation. So we would start plugging in. Then we'd start serving in youth group. Then we served in college ministry. And then, you know, it's just year after year after year showing up week after week after week, considering God's things important and valuable and weighty. You know, you get in a habit of just saying yes. And that's the Lord calling on me to do that. And then you see the reward of it. You see the blessing that's attached to it and the satisfaction that comes and the joy. I mean, we come here to serve and is it always convenient? No, it's not convenient. It's not always convenient, but is there a reward and is there joy? And is it the most wonderful thing that to know that God is pleased with you? Yeah, that's yeah. the most wonderful thing. I just want to encourage you guys, get in there. Hey, get a volunteer form. We'll have them on our website too, yeah. since we can't give them to you in person, but go get these forms, fill them out and plug in and get involved in your church. Watch what will happen in your life, in your finances, in your business. If you'll stop being so consumed with your own business and too busy to answer when he calls. Yeah. He'll do big things in your life and Amen. you'll see the pro you'll see it work in your life just like we've seen it work in our lives. God is not a respecter of persons and if you get in you get in there and you do things the way he says to do them and according to his word and the way he does them then you will see a great blessing attached to it. Amen. And he will begin to, he'll be able to add everything to your life that you need. Yeah. He'll be able to bless you in ways that you never dreamed or imagined. It's just awesome. Yeah. So we're going to make room. We're yeah. going to do that as a church. I want you to do that as an individual, as a family who's coming to this church. Make room. Make room in your heart. Make room in your life. Make room in your time for the things of God. And Sarah and I both, like she said, we've grown up in church, we've been around church, traveled to many, many churches. And one thing that you see, um, you see it pretty often is the, the challenge that churches have in getting people to come and to volunteer and to be a part of these things. But I'm telling you, we're not gonna have that challenge here. And the reason we're not gonna have that challenge here is because we identify from the word of God the reward that's on the other side of this. Not to mention we're living with a revelation of how much he's done for us. Lord, give me somebody to show that kindness to. Amen. So that's not gonna be a challenge here. 
I'm saying it in Jesus' name. We are going to have people lined up around this building. I want to help. I want to help. Let me help. Let me serve. I want to show some hospitality. Church, we love you this morning. Thank you so much for being a part of this service. We, we pray that these things take root uh, inside. We pray that you've heard them with open ears and the ears of your heart have received these things today, not just as words from your pastors or just as words from men and women, but as words from God. And if you receive them that way, then they'll go to work in your life. So Father, in Jesus' name, Sarah and I pray over Legacy Church and this family, this awesome, wonderful family that you've given to us. And Lord, we pray over the word that we've heard from you today. And we ask you to take it and to plant it down on the inside, allow it to take root, spring up and bear fruit. And we commit to you that we're not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word that we've heard. And as we do it, we know there's a blessing and we know that there is foundation that's being built beneath our feet. We give you all the praise for the good things that are coming, the greater things that are coming and the great days that are ahead of Legacy Church. We thank you for it. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, we love you so much. Make sure you're paying attention to the website. In the next uh, few days, we're going to put these volunteer forms up there. The service team forms, we want you to grab one if you haven't already. We're going to figure out a way for us to communicate and you to get that back to us. But find a place to plug you in and stay tuned to your emails, to social media, because we're going to be making announcements as we get information about when we can open church. We'll get that to you right away. We love you so much. We'll see you again next Sunday. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.